Hi, my name is Tejal Rao, and I'm a critic at large for The New York Times. I've always loved food and cooking, and that love started with a love for knives. I started learning to throw knives with my brother when I was about seven or eight years old. Why we were allowed to have and use actual throwing knives as children, I don't know. I don't come from a family of magicians or performers, so it makes no sense. Um, but we were largely unsupervised and would practice throwing knives at a fence in my grandparents' backyard and got pretty good at it. I'm Jesse Sparks, and this is The One Recipe, a podcast that turns to chefs and home cooks with a big question in mind. What is their one? That recipe they may have learned through the grapevine, but they've totally made their own. This week, we're reporting in with Tejal Rao. Tejal is a critic at large for the New York Times, and before that, in 2018, she was named the paper's first California restaurant critic. She brings insight and nuance to even the most well-covered topics, and she helps us look at the world around us in a bright new light. Here she is. Hey, Tejal, hello. Hi, Jesse. <laughs> it's so great to talk with you. How are you doing? I am doing really well. It's a bit of a gloomy day, but I'm doing really well. <laughs> well, I'm glad we can bring a little bit of sunshine to an otherwise <laughs> gloomy day. Uh, so a lot of people know you as this kind of pillar of journalistic criticism, right? You have been writing columns and launching columns about different styles of eating in different restaurants in the country for years now. And it's been a dwindling field a little bit. How have you kind of approached your evolving relationship to criticism now? Uh, that <laughs> The question suggests more kind of strategy and thoughtfulness um, that maybe has gone into the last 10 years of my career. I feel like I'm just... Um, you know, rolling with things as they change, trying to do the best that I can. Um, you know, I worked as a critic for a while, but then in between I was, I was an editor. I was a copy editor. I'm just, um, I mean, now I've been at the Times for six years. Um, but I've held, you know, three different jobs over that time. And, um, the work is changing as it needs to. And I'm, and I'm growing and changing as I need to. I don't really, have a great answer. <laughs> At this point in journalism, I don't think most people do. I think we're all just trying to roll with the punches yeah. <laughs> and take it day by day. But it's been so much fun to see some of the projects that you started. For instance, uh, The Veggie, which was a column about cooking and eating vegetables. Can you tell people a little bit about it and what you were trying to achieve through it? Yeah, The Veggie started um, at this time when my own cooking was really changing. Um, during the early part of the pandemic, I almost stopped cooking with meat entirely, not completely, but almost completely, and um, was part of a, a CSA. Was I was just buying a lot of vegetables. And that's also the kind of cooking that I grew up with. You know, I didn't grow up in a vegetarian household, but my family cooked a lot of vegetarian food. And it was never... It was never framed as like, this is the sad alternative to what other people are eating. Um, this is the veggie option. It was always like, that was the exciting thing that we were having and it happened to be vegetarian. Um, and it wasn't, 
it wasn't, it also wasn't framed as, you know, um, diet food or healthy food. It was just, um, everyday dinner. And I like thinking about vegetarian food like that again. And it seemed like a really good moment at the times, um, to bump up vegetarian recipes for readers as well. So I wrote it for about a year, once a week. And now, um, my editor, Tanya Sachinsky has taken it over and it's really great. I love Tanya, um, but I also have loved following your work with it and the various columns and stories that you pulled out of it. So can I assume Thank that you. your one recipe is veggie focused? It is veggie. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's almost like we talked about it. <laughs> so what is your one recipe? My one recipe is, I was debating what I should call it, um, around the house we call it hammered greens sometimes or twice cooked greens. Um, but it's basically, uh, ripassata, the Italian technique with broccoli rub. Um, oh, yeah. oh, that's cool. So can you tell me a little bit about how you encountered the recipe? Yeah, absolutely. So the, the recipe sort of came out of a column, an eat column for the New York Times magazine that, um, I was in like a little bit of a lazy, slobby phase and um, was investigating very simple, super, super simple recipes. And um, it led me to Alice Waters has this recipe for long cooked broccoli is I think what it's called in, in her book, um, where you kind of braise the broccoli in some water and olive oil, and then it loses its greenness, it becomes very tender. And then you add lemon zest, lemon juice, more olive oil, and maybe some chopped up um, salt-packed anchovies. And that's not what this greens recipe is because it does have two steps, but that's where my where I got really interested in this technique and started cooking more like that. People often talk about cooked, like really heavy, hard-cooked greens, like it's some kind of mistake or you've messed it up somehow or it's like a violence <laughs> to vegetables, you know. Um, there's so much prioritizing like bright green, still crisp, blanched vegetables. But I just think that um, this kind of tender, delicious, like savory tasting green that's cooked quite hard, quite far is so, so delicious. And I, it just reoriented me to cooking greens. So with these greens, you're calling them hammer just because you're really cooking them until some of you know, broccoli rubs, sometimes woodier pieces or woodier stems and stalks kind of soften and do really kind of melt a little bit. Um, so can you walk us through your cooking process? Yes. So basically, I take a a whole bunch of broccoli rub. I usually will cook two bunches at a time so that I have extra for the next day. Um, so two bunches of broccoli rub, um, just you know, rinse it, drain it, and then boil it in salted water. And then once the steam has kind of rolled off and it's cooled enough that I can touch it, I chop it up, um, heat some olive oil and add chili flakes and let them bloom a little bit in the olive oil. I used to also add garlic and anchovies, but I've got it. I'm like paired it all the way back. <laughs> all I do is chili flakes and olive oil now. Um, and then add the chopped greens and sometimes a splash of water if they are very woody and they're going to need more time to cook um, and let them simmer on very low until that water's evaporated. And then add more olive oil, some salt, some grated palm, some lemon zest, and that's it. It's Ooh. 
sounds so basic. I mean, it is so basic. It's so basic, but it's so delicious. And um, like, I could just eat it plain with a spoon, but I also have it as a side <laughs> with um, with beans, or I put it on like a thick piece of toast, grilled toast. Um, it's really good tossed into pasta, and you just season it a little bit more heavily for that. Uh, I just think it's like a perfect food. And it's so ingenious because you get that gentle warmth from the from the crushed peppers and you get, you know, some of the omami if you want it from the anchovies, yeah. but also it's yeah. still there even if you skip them because you have yeah. the parm. Yeah. Oh, it's, and it's if you great. have some, if you, even if you only have a tiny bit left over, you can make some, it like makes something better the next day, whether it's like a bowl of rice with like a boiled egg or something, or you can put it under a fried egg on toast if you only have a tiny bit left. It's become one of those things I repeat over and over again because it's so consistently delicious and can do so many things. So just out of curiosity, you mentioned blanching. Why why blanch it? So I don't know the exact science of this, but there's something that um, I think that it helps to remove some of the bitterness of the green but it also just softens it more quickly so that when you do then cook it in the olive oil, it doesn't take so long. You don't have to cook it for, for very long at all. Maybe I think it gets better the longer you let it go, but you can get away with, you know, 10, 15 minutes. Oh, that's really, really smart. Yeah. Because then it, it also means that dinner's just around the corner no matter where you are or yeah. how short on time you might be. Do you think that long-cooked vegetables are finally getting their moment in the sun? Do you think they're finally in style again? I hope so. I mean, I think a lot of people already knew how good they were. You know, like <laughs> a lot of people right. all over the world um, <laughs> already knew that that is a delicious way to cook vegetables. There's, you know, there's sag paneer, there's um, ripasata. There's so many dishes where the there's like collards when they're cooked long, like there's just so so many dishes where the greens cooked for a long time are the, that's the whole point that's the pleasure of the dish um but i think it's more in like like a very eurocentric very frenchy thing to kind of show off the vegetable by keeping it almost as close to raw as possible and sometimes that's nice you know i, I yeah. guess <laughs> <laughs> Please contain your enthusiasm, Tejal. But I can't end this episode without just having to acknowledge just how much of a food titan you are. Because on a previous episode, Priya Krishna actually selected your recipe for Masolu as her one recipe. I'm honored. I promise it's not just conjecture. <laughs> you do have uh, a one recipe fan club. <laughs> It's been great to chat with you. I cannot wait to cook the hell out of some broccoli soon. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me, Jesse. Tejal Rao was a critic at large for the New York Times. You can find that recipe for twice-cooked broccoli rob or hammered greens on Instagram at the.one.recipe and at theonerecipe.org. And hey, if you liked what you heard, you can like and subscribe. It makes a world of difference. This week's episode was made for you by producer Erica Romero, associate producer Ren Farrell, technical director Alex Simpson, and digital producer James Napoli. Sally Swift is our managing producer. APM Studios executives in charge are Chandra Kavati, Joanne Griffith, and Alex Schaffer. Beth Perlman is our executive producer. The One Recipe was created by Sally Swift and Erica Romero. I'm Jesse Sparks. This is APM Studios. Go make some magic. <laughs>